Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. And now, Lord, we ask that you join our voices with a host of angels and archangels, with cherubim and seraphim, flowing to and from your holy throne, singing holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are filled with his glory. Hosanna in the highest. Speak to us this day, not as though we were children, but though we were mature enough to eat the very meat of thy holy word. Do not speak to us from the outer court or the inner court, but share with us the mysteries of your word from the holy of holies. Take a coal from the fires of heaven and purge it to our lips. Think through my mind, love through my heart, and speak through my mouth. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the very meditations of my heart be found acceptable in your sight. May this, your people, be blessed by thee and not impressed by me. And all of God's people said, you all can be seated in the presence of God. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I had an interesting night. I was blessed to... uh, mess you all up a little bit yesterday. (laughs) I watched a few minds melt over dinner. (laughs) Um, This morning, I I think, uh, according to the uh, program, I was going to talk a little bit about feeling gets the blessing, and uh, I will get to that after our first break, but uh, I really felt impressed of the Lord to share something with you. particularly after speaking to your pastor. I have a very strange philosophy in life. You'll probably find the more you get to know me, I have quite a few strange philosophies in life. All of them are biblical. Most of them you'll never hear another preacher say because they're afraid to. But uh, I always come to the sacred desk with one hope, and that is that I may preach truth and in doing so, that you would hear a truth and finally be set free. There are two kinds of truth in this world. There's truth, and then there's true truth. You can know the truth and not be set free, but you can know true truth and no longer be bound. So I come in the spirit of grace and praying that God will always use me to speak true truth. Truth spoken in insincerity a truth spoken with arrogance, pride, with a haughty spirit, is as good as a lie. Yes, he started already. <laughs> I wish you could see the faces down the front. But I, I had a wonderful opportunity to share with your pastor last night um, after we'd gone back to the hotel. Uh, I was awake at 3.17 this morning. I've accomplished a lot before most of you were even awake. I believe in being high performance. Uh, That's not just a slang term for millennials doing stuff on social media. 
Bishop Dewar is high performance, high intensity, and highly in your face at all times. Um, <coughs> they're getting quiet again. It's the white. I call myself Pope Kai because I'm dressed in white this morning. So, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti Gloria in excelsis Dei in terra pax omnibus. No, Benedict nos dominate hectua donaquae. No, forget it. So I, I really felt this morning that um, I needed to address something concerning your life and concerning your pastor. Um, <clears throat> it's very difficult for any man of God to speak highly of themselves without sounding like they're blowing their own trumpet. But um, I picked up several things in my spirit that I think will be important for you to learn, especially in your relationship to him and uh, how this church will grow and flourish. Prosperity and prophecy prosperity and profits are intrinsically linked. The scripture tells us you cannot prosper without a prophet. If you don't believe me, read 2 Chronicles 20.20. Jesus died on a cross so that salvation and healing would be eternally linked. But before the cross of Christ, prosperity and prophecy walked hand in hand. Jesus continues this in the New Testament because he tells us in Matthew 5 and verse 7, I did not come to do away with the law, but that the law might be fulfilled in me. So he is the master prophet, and he is the master that teaches us how to prosper. He is the fullness of everything that God has given us up to, including and after his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the second coming that we wait on. I'm fascinated by the fact that you're studying the book of Malachi because it's one of the most incredible books in the entire of the Bible. Malachi 1 and 2 are chapters to an Old Testament church, but Malachi 3 and 4 are prophecies to the New Testament church, to us in this generation. I can prove that in Malachi 3 verse 1. It says, I will send my messenger before me, that's speaking of John the Baptist, and the generation seeking the sudden coming of the Lord. That's you and me right now. Because the first time he came, it wasn't sudden. He was conceived in a virgin womb of the Holy Spirit. He was made flesh and became incarnate through the regular process of birth. That's not a sudden coming. That's a process. That's a lengthy time. That's nine months of nurturing. That's 30 years of growing and preparing for three years of ministry. Most of us want to do three years preparation for 30 years of ministry. Jesus shows us the longevity of ministry requires a longevity of investment. Have I lost you all yet? You're all very quiet. Auntie Anna, did I mess them? Did I break them yesterday? So... I want us to backtrack from before the point of the birth of our Savior to a point in the Old Testament where we see God speaking to his people through his prophets. Let me clarify something for you. And uh, I know the denomination I'm in, so I'm going to upset a lot of people when I say this. Just because someone has the title of a prophet does not make them a prophet. There is a biblical prerequisite to be called a prophet. They're not parking lot preachers. They don't come to you with private words. They don't share things like we shared in the restaurant over dinner last night. When a biblical prophet speaks, they speak to the prosperity and the fortune of a nation. So I'm very dubious of anybody that introduced themselves to me and says, I'm prophet so-and-so, and believe me, I've known quite a few of them in my 27 years in ministry, because the first question I ask them is, which nation do you prophesy to? 
See, the Old Testament prophets spoke of the judgment of God to a nation if they didn't repent, and they spoke to the kings of nations with instructions for how the king should lead. When you speak to the head of a nation and tell them how to lead it, you're speaking to the entire nation, because when the king speaks, the nation follows. Let, let me put it in a more practical sense for you to understand. So your pastor and Andy Ann are married, yes? The husband is the head of the church, but the head is connected to the neck. So I tell preachers all the time, you might be the head, but the wife is the neck. And where the neck turns, the head follows. That's a joke. It's okay, you can tell your face. So when a prophet speaks to the king, they may not be the head of the nation, but they're given an instruction that the king has an option to turn the head of a nation to follow the instruction. You still with me? Say, Dewey, you're being harsh this morning. So, a prophet comes to a widow. 1 Kings 16. The prophet is Elijah, the principal prophet. Uh, they call them major prophets. I don't know why. That was a church term to, to signify the books of prophecy. Elijah wasn't a major prophet. He was a prophet. Malachi wasn't a minor prophet. He was still a prophet. We categorize major and minor by the length of the books written in the canon of Scripture that we read. Okay? So Elijah comes to a widow. Now, here's the fascinating thing in this, and I'm going to get to an understanding of your man of God for you to understand, and at the end of it, you'll go, oh, my word, I never saw that. Or worse to that effect. Please, God. <laughs> There's a, wo a widow in a place called Zarephath, and Elijah is at this place called the Brook Cherith, where God has taken care of him when him and his lily-livered sissy state is hiding from Jezebel. And he's fed him with two ravens, and he's kept him. But all of a sudden, the brook Cherith runs dry. And God says to Elijah, get thee up, go to Zarephath, for there is a widow there that I have commanded to bless thee. Yeah? You all following me? You'll have to forgive me, because quite often I refer to the Dewar translation of Scripture. It's just that I think King James is a bit long-winded in this day and age. And, uh, you know, the Dewar translation is very easy to follow. Uh, in the King James, it talks about Adam saw Eve and said, I will call her bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The Dewar translation says, Adam saw Eve and says, hey, baby, I love what you're not wearing. <laughs> Do you always not dress like that? So the prophet comes to the widow, and here's the fascinating thing, is <clears throat> he asks her, what is it that you've got? Dewar translation. So she says, well, I got a little flour and a little bit of oil, so me and Johnny, we're going to eat a couple of pancakes, then we're going to die. Sounds pretty wise, doesn't it? Great. You know? And he says, well, before you do that, why don't you go home and make me some pancakes? Bread is, but, you know, I'm not like you. I, I'm not in some Victorian prison. I don't want to live on bread and water, so pancakes work for, for you. But in doing so, what he does is, he tells her, if you will do this for me, this is what God will do for you. If you take the flour 
and you take the oil and you make bread for me before you feed yourself. So now they're going to go, you know, she's thinking, well, we're going to die hungry now because we're going to have half as much to eat. But if you do this for me, then the oil will never run dry and the wheat, the flour, will never be empty. God has given you as a church a man of God that has not fully entered into the depths of the prophetic ministry upon his life. But when he does, you will see that when he comes to you with an instruction, the instruction is always accompanied by a picture of what God will do for you if you're obedient to the instruction. Because she now has a choice. Do I do what the man of God is saying? Or do I do my own thing? Her own thing is certain death. She told us herself. She spoke it into existence. But God's instruction through the man of God is simply, if you do this, you'll live well. See, the Bible says, I pray that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But in the 21st century church, when we talk about prosperity, we think about money. The word prosper simply means to make a good journey, to live well. It doesn't mean to have excess and abundance. It just means to be comfortable and have enough left over because God prospers us to prosper somebody else. I'm blessed to be a... I, let's try it. I'm blessed to be a... Praise God. But this isn't the first time we see a man of God with an instruction. So clearly, Israel... God's chosen people are not getting the picture. So the son of the prophet, Elisha, is now faced with a widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. Elijah has gone on, has passed on to be with the Lord, has been carried away on that great chariot, and Elisha has received the double portion. Um, You'll learn, I never let my subject get in the way of what I'm saying. So I'll throw little trees along the way for you to stop and have a look at the flowers uh, as we make the journey. I don't know where we're going, but we'll all know when we get there. So as a sidebar, because I trained to be a lawyer, caveat, whatever you want to call it. When Elijah's mantle fell from heaven, it didn't rest on Elisha. He had to physically go and pick it up. You'll see preachers on TV and standing in the pulpit talking about, I'm going to pray for you to receive a double portion. Unless you see the person called up or die, there's no such thing as a double portion. God gives us the prerequisite to receive the double portion in the words of Elijah. If you see me when I am called up, the thing that you ask will be yours. I used to tell my father, spiritual father, when you get ill and the time comes, your family need to let me know straight away. He said, you're going to come pray for me? I said, nope, I'm going to come watch. Because <laughs> the thing I've waited all my life is about to come. 
That sounds like a horrible thing to say, but that's the scriptural prerequisite for receiving a double portion. If you see me when I'm called up, the very thing you've asked for, which according to Elijah was a difficult thing, was not an easy thing to give. Notice Elisha never says, give me a double portion of the Lord's anointing. He said, give me a double portion of your anointing. That's what I want. I want a double portion of your anointing. I lost them. So, Elisha is now, several years after Elijah has passed, has received the double portion, went across the Jordan, picked up the mantle that fell, put it on, and the next time we see Elisha, they think it's Elijah. Why? Your pastor said something to me last night as we went into Harvester, and I wanted to leap with joy inside, but I have to contain myself because I realize I'm in public. Because he said to me, when I listen to you, I can hear a spiritual father. Elisha is becoming like Elijah. Do you get it? If you truly believe he is God's man for your life, because the Bible says, I will give men unto thee and people for your life. If you truly, truly believe that he is God's prophet over your life, when you speak, I should hear him. If I don't, it's because you don't th you are not taking it seriously enough that God has put me under that man. Everywhere I go, people tell me, son, you sound just like Mike Murdoch. Do you know what I say to them? Precious friends, Mike Murdoch here. No, I don't. <laughs> I get excited because the proof of a mentor is in the sound of a protege's voice. Dr. Murdoch could teach for generation after generation, could teach millions of people, and nobody ever sounded like him. So he was never a mentor. He was never a spiritual father, a prophet of God. The proof of a mentor is in the sound of the protege. The proof of the prophet Elijah was in Elisha wasn't in the miracles Elijah performed, wasn't in the grace that flowed through him, wasn't in the fire he called down from heavens. The absolute proof of the purpose of Elijah's life was in the sound of Elisha, was in the fact that Elisha became so much like Elijah. When we see him, they immediately think it's Elijah. Do you know how much you have to physically transform for people to think you look like him? People tell me now since I grew this beard, my word, you look like Mike Murdoch. I have a picture of Dr. Murdoch and I sitting in Harrods <laughs> in the Georgian restaurant on the fourth floor. If ever you want to know what real fine dining is, go and invest in a dinner there for yourself. With the two of us sitting there, him on my right-hand side, me on the left, and every time I look at that picture, I think, do you know what? Now I see why people ask me, are you his son? Because I don't mean spiritual son, I mean physical son. We have the same features, same shaped nose. God gave me a big nose because air is free. <laughs> God gave me a large forehead because he knew every time I went to the shop, I'd go, how much? My word. The more I've got to know Dr. Murdoch, the more I look at the picture and I see the changes happening before my eyes. They were always there. 
It's just the more you become some like, like someone, you realize how much the influences on your on their uh, their influences on your life. I used to have a um, more of a chin strap beard, you know, quite low cut, and I looked one day and and because um, mine is like three colors. I went to the hairdressers and I had my hair colored a little bit darker and they did my beard and I took one with this low cut beard, took one look at it and thought, my God, I look just like him now. So as you can see, we let the natural hair come through and, and I, I, it's a joke. <laughs> right, let me just stick to the scripture. Cause <laughs> so Elisha is now faced with a widow and this widow has got a bigger problem because she's now got two sons, and they're not facing death. What her problem is, is that her husband was in the sons of the prophets. So this is a man that walked with Elijah. But according to the scripture, he is so much in debt. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to walk with a man of God and not prosper. I lost them. Come back to me. It is very easy to walk with a man of God and not prosper. Because this man was in the sons of the prophets. He was in the 300 prophets that Elijah trained. And according to the scripture, he is up to his eyeballs in debt and he dies. Now, according to Hebrew law, if you had sons and you died owing, the sons were taken as slaves to pay off the debt. The wife, the widow, tells the prophet, we owe so much money that they're going to take both my sons for the rest of their lives. They'll always be slaves. We owe that much. That's like you suddenly waking up and you owe somebody a million pounds and you earn 20,000 pounds a year going to take you the rest of your life to pay that debt off. And Elisha, same spirit, says to her, to your translation, okay, sweetie, go and borrow every pot that you can find and take the little pot of oil that you told me about and keep pouring and fill every pot that you can borrow. Pastor, can I mess them up completely? You know the church tells us we shouldn't borrow money? I find it fascinating that God speaks to a prophet and tells the widow, borrow every pot you can. See, I don't believe... I don't believe God's double-minded, and I don't believe God contradicts himself. Like most preachers will say, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. No, you have to know what the Bible is saying and who it's saying it to to understand it. See, to some people who are terrible at managing money, neither a lender nor a borrower be. Huh? Because you can't manage your money. I don't believe God tells us not to borrow money because we're bad at managing it. He just knows that a lot of people don't know how to leverage debt. I know a lot of Christians that do well in business because they use debt to make money. Most of us don't. We just get into debt because we want the nicest car and the biggest house and 
who want all the designer jewelry and, and you know, especially in the millennial generation, because they finance everything. I can say that because I'm not in the millennial generation. My daughter is. I feel sorry for that, for, for you guys, your generation. I really do. Because we live in an age of instant gratification perpetuated by social media. Everybody wants everything now. I believe in the law of process. I don't believe you can start a business making 70 wedding cakes if you can't cook a donut. I know it's a little harsh, but it's practical and it's true. It's called the law of process. See, if you can't, if you can't cook one piece of chicken without burning it, I don't want to see you filling the pot out there for lunch. It's a process. Prosperity is a process. The national lottery is proof that when you circumvent the process, disaster happens. One guy won 17.2 million pounds, and two years later, he's got 200,000 pound left. Why? Circumvented the process. No money management, no mentors, nobody teaching him. So you will prosper at the rate that you can go through the process. Some of us will go through the process of prosperity a lot quicker. Back to the widow. So he tells her, go and borrow all the pots you can, pour the oil, fill as many pots as you can, and once you fill the pots, sell the oil. Don't sell the pots, they're not yours. Sell the oil. Pay off your debt, and then tells her, and then you and your sons live the rest of your life off the increase. Ooh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of oil. Now, I've been in some services when they anoint the preacher with oil, and they walk away from the pulpit looking like a chip, dripping in the stuff, you know? But you imagine how much oil it would take for you to pay off your debts and live the rest of your life off what you made. What is God showing us through the prophet? When I give you an instruction, if you follow it, you'll prosper. That then makes 2 Chronicles 20. 20 makes sense. Remember I said you've got to know what the Bible is saying and who it's saying it to. You also not got to know what other parts of the Bible are saying to understand different pieces of text. When you understand the story of the two widows, you understand 2 Chronicles 20.20. Believe in a prophet, you'll prosper. Why? Because God shows us in the life of a prophet, there's an instruction for you to follow. And in following in the instruction, prosperity happens. I told your pastor last night, and I want to tell you concerning him. When my man of God gives me an instruction, I don't need to pray about it. I don't need three different kinds of fleeces. I don't need 21 days of praying and fasting. Praying? Pray, pray, uh, praying? Oh, Lord, I should have slept longer. I, I don't need 21 days of praying and fasting. When the man of God over me gives me instructions, I just need to follow them. My man of God did it last September. Gave me an instruction I hated. But I followed it to this day. And the difference in me for following the instruction was incredible. Now, I think, kind of flipping between two worlds, the personal development whole thing, you know, like the Tony Robbins and all that lot, is great. We learn a lot of good stuff, but it's the one thing that's not quantifiable. You can't measure it. 
And people talk to me about, oh, do you do personal development? No, I don't. Because you can't measure personal development. What success is to you is not success to somebody else. How do you qualify it? What was successful to the first widow is not what we would call success to the second widow. First widow wants to live. Second widow needs to pay off debts. Completely different. So the prophet isn't speaking to their day. He's speaking to their destiny. Every time the old man of God stands behind this pulpit, he's not speaking to today. He is speaking things into the spiritual life of your destiny. Some things make sense when he says them. Other things you think, where did that come from? But your destiny catches something by the Spirit of God that in due season will recognize it. Have I lost you? Am I breaking you? You're very quiet. I'm not used to this. I know what CNS churches are like. I've preached in many of them. You all, I normally got to fight you all to get quiet. What's <laughs> At 3.17 this morning, though, I was wide awake in my hotel room because I knew after talking with your pastor and his wife, God had really put them on my heart. Because what this church has the potential to do, I told him last night, so I'm not telling you anything I haven't said to him. I never tell a church anything I've not said to your prophet first. What this church has the potential to do is change an entire movement, an entire denomination. But the only, going to, the only way you're going to do it is by following the instructions of a prophet. There's a key in both of these passages of Scripture that we could understand. Besides the prophecy thing, besides the prosperity thing, there's a key here because nowhere in those two Scriptures do we read how the, pro uh, how the widows came back and kept asking the prophet, now what did you say? Tell me what you said again. What was I supposed to do? When your man of God comes to you with an instruction, his responsibility, as pointed out in Scripture, is to give it once. If you can't remember it, you better record it. Dr. Murdoch and I both live by a very profound principle. If I have to give you an instruction twice, if you're on the payroll, I'm taking half your salary. So I need to pay myself now for having to work twice as hard. I've had people that travel with me. I travel on my own now for a reason. I can't find anybody that can just follow an instruction. It's real easy. I cannot find anybody that can just follow an instruction. When Mike Murdoch said something to me, which really cut me deeply, and that's surprising to hear me say, because you know I'm normally the one yielding the wife, uh, the knife, yielding the wife. What? Am I? <laughs> Lord have mercy! Come out, you foul demon! Um, <laughs> I had no idea 
but he saw something in me I didn't see in myself, which is why he said it. There are times that your pastor has said things to you and you ignore them or you don't do them because it doesn't feel nice in what's being said. But you have no idea that he sees something in you you're not seeing in yourself. I now tell everybody what Mike Murdoch said to me. So it's not a problem. We were sitting in a hotel in Paris. God's taken me all over the world. Just him and I, sitting in a hotel room in Paris. And he said, son, I'm very concerned about you, son. I said, what's the matter, Dr. Murdoch? He said, son, I'm concerned that you'll never be as serious about your own prosperity as you are about everybody else's. You might as well have just take me down to the kitchen and fillet me like a fish. Because that's how it felt. It was like someone cutting me the other night. But he was right. I was so concerned with teaching other people to prosper. I wasn't worried anymore if I was prospering. Your pastor is so concerned with your development that in looking after you every day, he doesn't have the time that he needs for God to look after him. But we don't live in an Old Testament church principle anymore. Yes, he has to get before God to hear the instruction. Because the one thing we know about Elijah and Elisha was these were men that walked with God. They heard the voice of God speaking. We say it in the Nicene Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit who spoke through his prophets. If you truly believe that this man of God is your man of God, you won't turn up late and leave early. You won't be outside when he's sharing the word. You won't be talking to each other on the road. Because if you do, it tells me you don't believe that's God's prophet for your life. When Dr. Murdoch is teaching, when my bishop is teaching, I don't pass notes. I'm not talking. <laughs> I was in Japan with a group of our bishops from our communion. And the bishop next to me started talking a bit about something the bishop, my presiding bishop just said. And I turned and looked at him and said, shut up. I'm listening. That's harsh. You might not be interested in what he's saying, but something he's saying is an instruction for me to prosper. I don't want to miss an opportunity because you're so busy yakking. I should have come with gentle Jesus, meek and mild this morning. Shouldn't I? Love me tender, love me do. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to understand, if you want to prosper, it takes one thing. His instructions. Because if you could prosper on your own, you already would be. Now they broke completely. If you could prosper on your own, you already would be. You wouldn't need a man of God. If I knew what to do to get myself from where I was 
to where I am today, I would never have needed Mike Murdoch. I would have never have needed John Allen Neal. I would never have needed Harry Ralph Jackson Jr. Why did I need them? Because they knew to, how to get me from there to here. To put it in context for you, he knows how to get you from the back row to the front row. But because he doesn't look like how I think the instruction should look like, well, we're just not going to receive it. See, we're so caught up in the, the bells and the smells, as we used to say in the Catholic Church. We want all of the, the moving and the shaking, the shandai, your mama money hurts, and all that kind of stuff. I can speak in tongues. Don't you? Shandai, shoot a mosquito. Kickstarter Honda, and my boat, your mama money hurts. E-D-D-I-E, that spells Eddie. We want all the fantastical, and yet the instruction comes in a simple voice. Go home. Take what you've got. Use it. Remember I said yesterday, what you got in your hands enough. You can start an online business from a cell phone. You don't need the latest MacBook or iMac or whatever it is. You could start an online business simply with a cell phone. You've got a cell phone, you can start an Amazon store, eBay store, Pinterest store. These widows didn't come with excuses. They came with a situation ready to receive from the man of God. Here's what I'm going through. Tell me what to do. See, what we do is this. Pastor Bayou, come stand with me a minute. It's going to embarrass him now. Already sitting there thinking, oh God, Bishop, please shut up. When you got a problem, you come to him because you think, oh, I need to go to my pastor. Then you'll come and tell him everything you're going through. And when he's about to give the answer, you walk away. Because you're not interested in the instruction that's about to come. Happens in every church on the planet. So you're not alone. I'm not picking on you. I've seen it in almost every single church I've ever been in. Imagine this is God. Give me another volunteer. Come on. Come and help me. So, my brother is you. Pastor's God. He got all manner of problems. So he comes to God and tells him everything that's on his heart, tells him all of his problems. And as God's about to speak, he just, amen, and off he goes. When we were sitting at dinner last night, one of the gentlemen said, can I ask you a question? I said, before you do, let me ask you a question. Are you ready for the answer? Why would you ask God a question and not wait around for the answer? So why would you come to your pastor with a problem and not wait for him to hear the voice of God to give you a solution? Well, the answer is simple. You're not interested in the instruction. You're just interested in him hearing your problem. But his responsibility is no longer what we as priests used to do in the Old Testament 
which was to hear the problems and take them to God. His responsibility is to be so intimate with God that when you come with a problem like Elijah, like Elisha, his response is an instruction. Your response to the instruction determines whether God moves in your situation. I said it yesterday. Your response to God, your interaction with God determines how God responds and interacts with you. It is not the other way around. Don't tell me I'm waiting on God. You're not. You're waiting for God to do it for you. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Thank you, sir. When they asked me to come, they gave me a list of topics. And I'll, I'll teach into three areas that I was going to deal with today. But I need you to understand this morning. If this church is going to do anything that it has the potential to do, then it has to be swiftly obedient to an instruction given by a prophet. You don't need brother so-and-so from the church down the road to come because he's got the title prophet. God put a prophet in this pulpit. It's just we call him pastor. To some are given, according to the scriptures, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. One hand. Not five different hands, one hand. Today he might be your apostle, but on Wednesday at midweek service, he's your teacher. When you're in a crisis, he's your prophet. When you need love and care, he's your pastor. When you need to be edified, he's your evangelist. It's not five different things in five different peoples. It is the fullness of one anointing, one grace on his life for this house. For you as God's people. Y'all ready to eat? Like, please, you would just sit down and be quiet. When he said to you this morning, he was told I'm blunt. I had to laugh to myself because blunt is real mild <laughs> compared to what I would say. I used to tell people, I, I'm not blunt, blunt I'm brutal. Because I, I, I'm not the kind of person that deals well with sympathy. So because of my nature, I don't give sympathy real well. That's something me and the Lord have to work on. Because I'm not excessively sympathetic. I can empathize with what you're going through. But I don't believe sympathy changes anything. Jesus was not sympathetic with the dead. The rich young, you know, one of the, 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 the people came to Jesus and said, let me go bury my father. And Jesus responded, man, let the dead bury the dead. I'm like that. Shift, S-H-I-F-T, happens. They're laughing because they say the other word when I'm not around. But life happens. I don't dwell on past mistakes. If I made a mistake, I need to learn quick. If I'm disobedient to an instruction, there's a price to pay. If the widow, first widow with Elijah had been disobedient, she'd have died, her and her son. If the second widow had been disobedient, she'd have lost her sons to slavery, pay the debt. When a man of God stands with an instruction for your life, you need to be swift to obey.
Delayed obedience, as I said last night, is still disobedience. There's no, oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. No, that's disobedience. The instruction is do it now. Now, if you, if Dua had ever written the Bible, I promise you, the last verse in the Old Testament would have read this, and Dua was still pouring oil. Because she goes and borrows every pot she can in her city and stopped. I'd have gone to the next city. Because if that thing works that quick, I'm going to work it till we can work it no more. If I'd have gone to Judea, I'd have, I'd like the disciples, I'd have gone up to Samaria. I'd have gone beyond there. I'd have kept borrowing pots. And I'd have kept selling the oil. When God gives you an instruction, if you keep doing it, guess what? I had a, an incredible phrase once blew me away. If you make my decisions, you'll have my testimonies. If you make my decisions, you'll have my testimonies. That's the purpose of mentoring. That's the purpose of a man of God. It's experience without the pain. Sadly, most of us only ever want to learn from pain. Testimony time. So Dr. Murdoch said to me, son, this is what you need to do in building your ministry. One, two, three, four. And I said to him, okay. And I did number one, and I didn't do number two, and I didn't do number three, but I did number four. And guess what? <laughs> Nothing happened. I thought I could do something better than number two and number three. Because I thought I knew better. He lives in America. I live in Britain. I know the laws here. I know... He wasn't looking at where I was at. He was looking at where I would be. He gave me an instruction based on where I could be, not where I was. That's why I said he speaks to your destiny, not to your day. His instruction over your life is about your future. Last night I told some people, get a picture of the life you want and live that life today. Elon Musk told the world, I'm going to change the world. But from the very first day he started doing it, his business, he lived like, I'm the man that's changed the world, not I'm going to. The widow responds. She goes straight and makes the pancakes. The second widow responds. She goes straight out, sends the boys out, go and borrow every pot we can. Why? Because when God speaks to you through him, he speaks now. And it requires a now response. Not 12 months later when you decide, oh, I think I better do what Pastor Bayo told me to do. The moment passed. You missed an opportunity. God's instructions always have an expiration date. They're not open. I have an open-ended invitation to go speak at Dr. Murdoch's church anytime I go to Dallas. But if he said to me, son, I want you to come on Sunday, May the 25th, and I turn up on Sunday, June the 2nd, guess what? The opportunity passed. I can't get up and preach on the 2nd. My opportunity passed. I missed my moment. When God speaks to you through your prophet, you have a very short time to respond. It's called now. Not later today. Not let me think about it, pray about it, seek the Lord about it. 
Let me go and ask Master Prophet, Chief Apostle, Archbishop, Pope of the World, Brother So-and-so. I know, church men, we all got more titles than you can think of. It requires a yes or no response right now. Yes, I'll be obedient to the word. Well, no, I'll be disobedient. But there's always a price to pay for your disobedience. Every person in this room, under the sound of my voice, watching on social media, listening to the podcast, you're broke for a reason. You're not prospering for a reason. Do you want to know what it is? You disobeyed an instruction. That's all it was. You broke a divine law. Believe in a prophet, you'll prosper. That's not a feel-good principle. That's a law. You're not prospering because you broke a divine law. You ignored a God-given instruction. You ready for session two? Okay, I'll be nice this afternoon. <laughs> Maybe not. I want you to truly see your man of God as a man of God. Your prosperity depends on it, not his. God will prosper him because of his willingness to follow an instruction. God will prosper you because of your obedience to the instruction he gives him. There is absolutely no reason on this planet why I could not stand here in 12 months' time and at least have three of you be millionaires. Not one. The only reason that you're not is because of your unwillingness to follow an instruction. I've told so many people I could make anybody a millionaire, but nobody will listen to what I tell them. You'd be amazed how many people I've told them when they've said, I got no money. I said, well, how much have you got? A hundred pounds. Okay, I can turn that into 10,000 pounds in a month, and they won't do what I tell them. Making money is easy. Prospering is easy when you know how to follow a divine instruction, when you listen to a prophet and you believe what they say. You ready to prosper? You going to be obedient? Pastor, I, I think I broke them this morning, so we'll come back <laughs> and I'll try and fix them. I, I'm sure I got some band-aids in my big bag at the back. Would you just come stand with me a minute whilst we close out, sir? I Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.